Okay. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap. Because what's a Saturday without sports? FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. I gotta admit, it's a weird Saturday, seeing as how we don't have a Cardinals game on Sunday, and uh, we'll have to wait until Monday night to see them on national television. And also, usually it's a college football Saturday. There are some college football games out there today, just not as many as we're used to now that we've gotten past championship week. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in to Arizona Sports Saturday. I'm Steve Zinsmeister, holding it down as Mitch Vereldis decided to uh, take the week off and made the decision to fly to Denver to watch a football game in freezing temperatures. Making a much smarter decision is my friend Joe Heisinga, who is here with me this Saturday. A, a smarter decision? Are you sure about that? <laughs> he, he went to go see a game involving the Detroit Lions, the team yeah. that I know and love that has won one football game on the air. Yeah, well, and it, it happened to be last week, though. They're on a roll. They're on a winning streak. Let's hope not. Oh. They need to lose football games, not win. We'll find out. Mitch made the trek to Denver to see that game. Like I mentioned, about 32 degrees right now there. Mm, I mean, it's me. only like 60 here, so but it feels significantly better. Actually, my girlfriend made the trip to Denver as well. She's on the other side, though. She's a Lions fan. She's also going to be at the football game? She's also going to be at the football game. So apparently this is the game to be at, and none of us are there. Not Cardinals-Rams. I, I thought that was the game Broncos, to go to. Broncos-Lions. I thought that Who was knew? the game. Who knew? Anyway, coming up on Monday night, it'll be the Cardinals' uh, big opportunity on the national stage. They finally get the big stage to prove their value. At 10-2 and two, with the league's best record, I still think that somehow there's this national perception that the Arizona Cardinals are not the best team in football. I hear... Uh, I hear a lot of people talk about the Buccaneers, who obviously have the greatest quarterback in history and a lot of championship pedigree, and they're the world champs, defending world champs. You've got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, I hear a lot about, who have beaten the Cardinals. I hear a lot about the Rams still, who they're going to play on Monday night, who have kind of faltered in the last month or so. I just feel like there's this national perception of the Cardinals that they can't shake despite all the wins that they racked up. Am I wrong about that? No, you feel that because that's 100% accurate. But I wonder if it's because... I mean, you mentioned Brady. He's won several times over. I get that. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. He did. A long time ago, by the way. Now, what did Sean McVay and the Rams win? Technically nothing. They won a championship game, which is more than the Cardinals can say. So an an NFC championship game. Correct. But they, they haven't won a Super Bowl. No. And yet, I think they still are looked at as having credibility and respect, even though Matt Stafford's their quarterback and he comes over from Detroit. Has great stats, but you know struggles against the really good teams and has had to shake the injury bug at times in his career. No, that perception is 100% reality. I wonder how other teams look at the Cardinals. You know, it doesn't matter what insiders and experts say. It, it becomes all talk and all banter. But when you really think about the teams, I think other teams certainly respect the Cardinals, and they've earned that this year with their record. Uh, Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I think other teams certainly do. I think the Rams certainly have a healthy respect for the Cardinals, who obviously beat the Rams in their first go-around pretty handily, by the way. This game is at home for the Cardinals, which I know there's this big narrative around the Cardinals struggling at home this year. I don't want to pretend like they're struggling. They're 10-2. and I mean, how bad can you really be? But, But when you're undefeated on the road and, you know, two losses at home, especially that Carolina loss, which I was in the house for, 
it was pretty devastating. So I get it. They're not playing the way at home that they've played on the road. But, so that's going to play that, a role too. But that Carolina game. That was kind of an anomaly. Yeah, break that game down. There was no Kyler Murray. I could break it down really easily. Yeah. I walked in the building about 10 minutes after kickoff, and they were already down 17-0. But how many of their, their key starters were out, too? Kyler was gone. Hopkins, Hopkins was gone. Edmonds? J.J. Watt was already gone by then. Edmonds was gone. Yeah. I mean, that makes a it's huge a good chunk. difference. It's a good chunk. And that's pretty much the chunk they were missing for those three games where they had no Kyler Murray and no DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, that was pretty consistent for those three games, in which they went 2-1. and one. So that's, that's another thing that good teams do. They win even when they're missing key players. Here's the other thing that good teams do. They don't care if they're looked at as the top team in the league. No. They use that as motivation to come out and beat teams, and all that matters is that you get that first-round bye. If you don't have to play the first week in the playoffs, and there's only one team in each conference this year that gets that honor. True. And you definitely... In my opinion, you definitely want that because you need the rest as the season goes on. Now, will another team maybe be sharper? I, you could make that argument. I don't subscribe to it. I want that buy if I'm a team in the NFL so that I can be ready for the second round of the playoffs. The buy and the home field advantage. Of course. Which I know, again, with the narrative that the that the Cardinals aren't playing as well at home as they are on the road. I'm not you, suggesting you would want to play on the road in the playoffs. You want to play yeah, at home. Exactly. In case you were wondering uh, if I'm lying about this national perception, uh, definitely not, because take a listen to our good friend Keyshawn Johnson. The youth, mm. how much experience do they have on that roster and coaching staff to understand what the playoffs are all about? you got to take some lumps before you can advance where they're trying to get to. Young teams just don't go to the Super Bowl. They're not handing out Super Bowl trophies like M&M's. No matter what anybody says, they are a very Yummy good football team. There's no question about it. Yeah. But they haven't been to the playoffs yet. I'll give him a little bit of credit. At the end there, saying they haven't been to the playoffs. The Cardinals haven't been to the playoffs since, what, 2015 when they went to the championship game? Um, so he's right about that. He is wrong about literally everything else that he said. Yeah, He, he made a point off the top there, though, that, that young teams don't win. But I wouldn't argue this Cardinals team is a young team. I wouldn't either. They have in a fact, young quarterback. In fact, I will make the case that they're the opposite because when I looked it up, according to OverTheCap.com, the Cardinals have the highest average age for a player <laughs> in the entire league. Wow. Okay. And they have the most players on their team in the entire league mm-hmm. that are over the age of 30. 16 of them. The next highest is the Buccaneers, who have 15. And you would know better than me, but I, mean, I know Zach Ertz certainly has a Super Bowl ring. Do here's, they have anybody else on the roster? Here's the list, and a lot of these are new players that they added in the last calendar year. But Hicks have one? Stay along with me. Zach Ertz, four playoffs, one Super Bowl ring. Yeah. J.J. Watt, five playoffs. J- A.J. Green, four playoffs. Matt Prater, five playoffs. Chandler Jones, four playoffs and a Super Bowl win. Jordan Hicks, one playoff, but he won the Super Bowl. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, four playoffs. Corey Peters, three playoffs. Albert, uh, Robert Alford and Jordan Phillips, both two playoffs each. It's not like this team is devoid of playoff players. No. They've got a lot of guys with important games they've played in their career. But, you you know, people look at the, you know, the, the sexy positions, you know, the quarterback, Kyler. Okay. Younger. You look at Cliff Kingsbury. What has he won? You know, had a losing record in college. Yeah. Is going to have his first winning season this year in the pros? If he was arguing coaching alone, I would agree with that. But if we look at the quarterback position, 
He says young teams, let's let's change teams to quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks don't just get handed championships. That's not entirely true either, no. because if he's just saying Kyler Murray is inexperienced, well, Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl in his second season. Patrick Mahomes won it in his third season. Didn't Roethlisberger do it as a rookie? Roethlisberger won it in his second season. Okay, second season. Goff went to the Super Bowl yeah. in his third season. So uh, while they're not willy-nilly handing out Super Bowl rings to rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks can win a championship. His argument off the top, too, was that it sounds like a lot what you hear in the NBA a lot of times, and the Suns certainly face this narrative of the first time you get there, you have to learn how to lose, essentially, before you can win. you got to get knocked down before you can get back up. And I, I never love that talk, but when you do look at teams, particularly in the NBA, that does seem to be true. Not a lot of teams go to the playoffs for their first time and win. I get that. Now, is is that perception reality with with the Cardinals? I'm, can you show up to the playoffs for the first time and win? Well, not, not that, again, you have to learn how to win by losing. Right. Let's put it in local context. Last season, the Phoenix Suns made the playoffs for the first time in, what, 11, 12 years? Made the finals. And they go to the finals, they're two games away from winning the NBA championship. Now, they didn't end up winning it. And there's a lot of so, people, too, who said things broke perfectly for them sure, to get that far. Sure, And in a lot of cases, it did. But at the same time, does that somehow disprove this argument from Keyshawn Johnson that a relatively young team in terms of playoff experience. Devin Booker didn't have any playoff experience. DeAndre Ayton didn't have any playoff experience. Mikal Bridges didn't have any playoff experience. Cam Johnson. yeah, Cam Johnson. Plenty of these guys. But then you bring in players like Chris Paul. You bring in players like Jay Crowder who have been to the finals, who have been to the playoffs, been on deep runs. And yeah, you do have a chance to win. I Would anybody have said when the Suns were two games away from the championship, would anybody have said there's zero chance that they could win the title? No, of course they could have. They could have. Mm-hmm. They just didn't. They yeah. got beat by the best player on the planet at the time. I think you, the same could be said of the Cardinals. Can they win a championship? Of course they can. They're not an inexperienced team. They're not too young. They're the oldest team in the league. Do you have them as your favorite right now, though? No. I, I would have them... I don't have them as my favorite, but I think they could totally if win. If they made the Super Bowl, they would be my favorite because I think they are better than every AFC team out there. Okay. With the exception of maybe that one coach in the AFC who who has yeah. quite a few rings. Yeah, he does. But, but even still, I would say the players on the field are better than the players on the other side. But do they roll through the NFC? And here's the other end of that argument. You mentioned Belichick, alluding to Belichick. Uh-huh. He's got a rookie quarterback. Yeah. So are we willing to anoint the Patriots as a favorite either? Because no, same argument could be made there. Right. So I... No, I think the Buccaneers, is that kind of what you were alluding to that the, in the well, NFC? You still got to go through the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, and, and I would argue Packers, the uh, Packers are right there too. Yeah. Uh, yes, Rodgers, one Super Bowl win. Yeah. But he was right there last year against Brady and company, and that team is no pushover either. They're going to be there. Yeah. I just, I just, I hate these arguments. But and the I know Cardinals Keyshawn, are in that discussion. It's not like, okay, you've got Packers and Buccaneers up here, and then oh, the Cardinals way down here. They're they're all right there, and I would argue the Cardinals have the leg up right now because they're they're in position to get that first round by. Yeah. That that is advantage Cardinals. I, I agree with that. And I think Keyshawn speaks from a, a lot from experience because his teams were like that. When he had the most success in his career, it was because they had fallen the year before, they had lost previously. To then, uh, what what is it? You walk, you you walk so that later you can run. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what Keyshawn had to go through. So for him, of course, that's how he feels. You have to earn it, right? The Cardinals haven't earned it the last couple of years. 
Well, they haven't really played well the last couple. Well, last year they no, were, what, one, that, one game that, away from the playoffs. Is that is, enough? Is that how you earn it? You earn it by taking your lumps. I mean, I saw Kyler Murray in his rookie season. Didn't look great all the time. I think what Keyshawn is saying, you have to earn those lumps in the playoffs. It can't be at the end of the season being 8-8. Eight and eight. First time for everything. Yeah. I agree. No Booker, no Aiton, no problem. Last night's Suns victory means more than just a blowout. We're going to tell you why that is. It's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. It is Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister and Joe Heisinga holding it down here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Um, it's, it's a little weird, I'm not going to lie, because normally... We have a Cardinals game coming on Sunday. We don't. It's coming Monday night as they take on the Rams on Monday night football. Um, normally, we have a lot of college football games going on. Right now, we really don't. I'm watching North Dakota State right now, which uh, pff, I would never watch normally. Don't besmirch East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State is they're, in this they're game. They're in the game as well. Well, they're not in the game because they're losing pretty bad, but they're not... Uh, but they are playing physically in the game. Yes, you're correct. Going on right now is a Cardinals practice because uh, like they just wrapped up practice, which is odd. Like I mentioned, because there's a Monday night game, we do have a Saturday practice. It's a little unusual. But Cliff Kingsbury saying out at practice today that Justin Pugh and Chase Edmonds and Aaron Brewer, the long snapper, could all possibly play on Monday. They're going to be game time decisions. Two of them are going to have to come off of IR. That's still a possibility on Mondays. But... Uh, we're going to talk about this later, too. This is kind of the healthiest the Cardinals have been all season. So uh, some good news out at Cardinals practice uh, going on today. Also in the news, last night, the Phoenix Suns. Closing seconds will tick away here, and the Suns will come away with a very strong, impressive win here tonight with the final score 111-90. to 90. The Hall of Famer Al McCoy on the call for the Suns' victory over the Celtics, 111 to 90, a 21 point victory without Devin Booker, without DeAndre Ayton, without Frank Kaminsky, Abdel Nader. Uh, the Suns walk all over the Celtics, and I got to tell you, this is a statement win, despite the fact that you're expected to win this game. The Celtics were without Josh Richardson, who went into COVID protocol. Um, no, they're Jaylen kind Brown, of in shambles. Right? Yeah, they were kind of in shambles to begin with. So. You're expected to win this game, but honestly, in games where you're without two of your three big star players, you have to win those types of games to prove that you're a good team. They weren't big favorites in the game, I know that. They were only favored by a few points, and when you don't have Booker out there, when you don't have Aiton out there, I would argue, sure, still favorites because the Celtics were also dinged up, but but the huge difference for the Suns really came down to the three-point shooting for me. They made 14 last night, whereas the Celtics couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah, Marcus Smart, I think I saw, was like 1 of 13. 4 of 26 from 3. 15%. Their team was? Yes. Oh, my goodness. No, just Marcus Smart. <laughs> yeah, four, of, 4 of 26. <laughs> I was going to say, he took a lot of threes. That's, <laughs> no, that's not no, really the, his the game. The team but was all right. 4 of 26. Yeah, not great. And and I I had it on right right when it started, and, and Tatum made a 3 for their first bucket of the game. So consider that they were then three of twenty-five after the first one because they were they were one of one to start the game. But uh, cold shooting for the Celtics, and you mentioned they're dinged up as well. But so were the Suns. The Suns play like a team now um, that that really is gunning for the title. Last year was the year where they were. Everybody in this city 
rallied around them. And I think they could have gotten it done. They they came up, you know, just a little bit short. Like you mentioned a few minutes ago, they ran into the best player on the planet. Yeah, not much you can do about that. But this year, will things be different? And what, what I really wonder is, do they have a move that they can make to put them over the top? To me, they're just a little thin, you know, at, at the big man spot. What, what do they have after Aiton? Javel <laughs> McGee played great last night. Pulls the ball down low, gets it back to Javel McGee in for a wham, bam, slam. He had 21 points, 15 rebounds in just 26 minutes. JaVale McGee was awesome last night. If you're going to get that night in, night out, you're in great shape. Well, you don't need it night in and night out. In terms of being a starter, this was unusual that Aiton was out, although Aiton has missed, I don't know exactly how many games, but I think it's been north of five. So there have been times where they've needed JaVale to step up, and I think he's done a pretty good job. I I was reading Kellen Olsen. He's our son's nerd over at uh, ArizonaSports.com. He's got awesome info, and he tweeted last night, JaVale McGee's per 36 numbers. Mm Mm-hmm. Through 25 games, 24 points per game, 16 rebounds per game. He's shooting 66% from the floor. Do you think the Suns need to make a move? Or do you think they, they are a, they're certainly a title contender? Yeah, no, this is something I've been struggling with here for a while because... They just seem one P short. And, and you say, you know, Kellen is a Suns nerd. I would say, you know, he's, he, he's, insider. he's the he best in the on. country when it comes to the Suns. I, I would love to know from Kellen, hey... Yes, this team could get it done. Do you think they are poised to get it done with their roster the way it's currently, you know, composed? And if they had to make a move, what can they give up that won't hurt them moving forward? Well, I do think that they're better positioned now than they were during their playoff run. I think this is a better team. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I think that they're not playing as good a basketball. So last week I talked with John Bloom on the show and he said the same thing. He was like... Yes, this could be a better team, but they're not playing as well as they did during the playoff run. The playoff run was magical. Mm-hmm. And against some of the best teams in basketball, against some of the better players. Even although, though they went on an incredible run over the last couple of months. He, he, they did go on an incredible run. You would argue that they were playing better then than now? Uh, probably. Probably, yeah. I think a lot of people would disagree. It matters with you on more that. in the playoffs. Oh, of course. It matters more in the playoffs. But I don't know that they're playing better well, basketball. I mean, you have to prepare for a different opponent every single night. The other point that John made was that a lot of these wins during the 18 game win streak, they weren't blowouts. Not every game was a blowout. Yeah. Some of them were quite quite close. Mm-hmm. And so the argument could be made either way, but I do think this roster, especially with the additions of JaVale McGee and Landry Shamit, they're deeper than they were during the playoff run. They might have been. They might have had eight guys that they could feel really comfortable rolling out there in a rotation during the playoffs. I think now you've got nine or ten that you could feel pretty good about on any given night. So as to your question, what do you add? Anybody could always use more shooting. It's like in baseball. Anybody could use a left-handed reliever, right? But So maybe you go out and add another shooter, but then the question is, how do you add to the team without detracting from the chemistry that you've already built? Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult because you've already built such a good thing that got you to the finals in the first place. Do you just trust in that? Because that just won you 18 straight games. Or do you go out and see but contending have... teams don't go out and try to trade for a star either? Well, and there's there's not a star out there that they could they come up with a deal that, you know, would bring in somebody like, you know, a Ben Simmons or no. something like that. I mean. I guess could they come up with one? Maybe, but they, they don't want come to. come up with it, but you don't want to mess with your chemistry that no. much. So, yeah, then then you talk about, you know, okay, maybe it's a shooter, somebody who can shoot the three or, you know, add some great defense. What do you give up, and does it hurt you more than it helps you? So I believe their draft pick situation is they are without their first rounder this coming draft. 
and then they have all their picks after that. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding of the of their picks situation. So they're in a pretty good situation draft pick wise. Financially speaking, you still got the DeAndre Ayton situation looming over their heads. They fortunately they signed Mikael Bridges to his four year deal, and that might actually look like a steal now because of how well he's been playing during the stretch. So. Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer. Like, I'm a baseball nerd, and I totally believe in going all in on teams when you have a good one. Like, when the Oakland A's had a good team, and they went out and they got Jeff Samarja, and they went, got John Lester, and then it didn't work out. And then you got to rebuild for a couple of years. And the Suns are in one of those predicaments right now where they got to figure out, are we going to go all in on this team? Well, they're all in, but, but you know, what is the all in right. look like? How is many it, chips do I shove to the middle of the table? It, the team as it's composed now, is that all in, or do they have a move they have to make? Coming up next... One former NFL quarterback says he would rather have Matthew Stafford than Kyler Murray. I'll tell you why he's wrong. Next. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Joe Heisinga, holding it down on Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. It's a debate that I didn't expect to have too much of this week. With the Cardinals playing on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams, I did think that we were going to be talking about Kyler Murray versus Matthew Stafford. The quarterbacks always seem to work their way into the conversation, and that debate was up in the air. Then ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, who used to be an NFL quarterback, did he was he behind Matthew Stafford in Detroit? Yes, he he was, and he was he was part of that great Lions team that did not win a game. I remember vividly him scrambling around in the end zone and just chucking it up to try to avoid taking a safety. Wasn't wasn't one of his uh, lesser moments the one where he ran out of the back of the end zone? That happened too. Yeah, I believe that did happen. Not that that defines his career, but people remember it. Defines the Lions. It's like the butt fumble. Like, Mark Sanchez played in some really important games in his career, but the butt fumble is all anybody remembers. Yeah, he made AFC championships. Yeah, that's Dan true. Dan Orlovsky, not so much. No win. But I think he's a good analyst, uh, but then he comes in with this hot take that got the blood boiling for a lot of Cardinals fans this week. I'll never turn my back. I'd rather be wrong. Right. But I want the guy that's 13th. 13th. I'll say it again. 13th all-time in yards. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray ain't that. Mm-hmm. I want the guy who's 12th all-time in touchdowns, Matthew Stafford. I want the dude that's fourth right now in fourth-quarter comebacks, eighth all-time, all-time in the history of the NFL. Kyler Murray's awesome. He's going to be a superstar for a long time, and he's having a nice season. Matthew Stafford's having a better season. He's having a better season. Matthew Stafford, you just said, is second in the league when it comes to that's touchdowns. State. Give he's me Matthew emotional. Stafford. I'm fine with him making that opinion because everyone's entitled to it, but when you're wrong, you're wrong. And here's why he's wrong. He used cumulative statistics to say that one player is more talented than another. Well, and then he stacked up Kyler this season to Stafford, and Stafford's played in more games this yeah, year. Yeah, Kyler missed three weeks. Well, he missed four weeks, but one of them was a bye. So he's missed three games, so of course Stafford has more touchdowns. And of course Stafford has way more passing yards in his career. Matthew Stafford's been in the league over a decade. Kyler Murray's been, what, he's been in the league three and a half years? So you're a math nerd. You extrapolated all the stats. You know what Kyler Murray is, uh, what his stats would look like if if he was in the league as long as Stafford, right? <laughs> I don't have that, but I, do, I did look up the non-cumulative statistics. The things that we can rate the two quarterbacks based on what they accomplish every game. Not based on so what they've done over the course of their averages. career. Yes, basically. 
I mean, if you look at the situation, here's what the stats say. Kyler Murray has the highest completion percentage in the entire NFL, 73%. By the way, Colt McCoy is a 76%, if you counted him as a starting quarterback, which he's not. Kyler Murray has the highest quarterback rating in the NFL at 112. Matthew Stafford is second, but it's 106. It's not exactly close. Kyler Murray leads the league in touchdown percentage, which is the percentage of your throws that end up being touchdowns. Kyler Murray leads the league in yards per attempt with nine. Matthew Stafford is high on the list in all of these statistics. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make the case he's having a bad year. He's in the top like two to five in most of these categories. But Kyler Murray's number one. Well, here's the thing I don't get too. Yes, Stafford, great quarterback, was you know the quarterback in Detroit for a long, long time. I painfully have to root for them. But why wouldn't you want the guy who can burn you with his feet and his arm. And Stafford is a, a great quarterback with his arm, but you know, just like Brady, and and look, I, I'm not going to say, you know, yeah, you know, Brady's not the best of all time, but don't you want the dual threat if you can have it, all things considered? Yeah, you You're want the more me, talented Brady guy. wouldn't be better if he could run, too? I, I'll, I'll take Kyler, who can run and give you that threat on the ground, over Stafford, if you're just looking at stats. Now, if you're going to look at intangibles, I think Orlovsky could have an argument. Yeah, I mean, if he had just said one of them is much more experienced, has been to the playoffs three times, although he lost all three of those and games. perhaps gets more respect in the huddle from those around him. Not that Kyler you I know, could get that. but he hasn't been in the league as, as I, long. I could understand that argument. I could tolerate that a little bit more. But the way that this argument was presented, he's got more passing yards in his career. Yeah, he's been in the league like 10 years longer. I mean, that's basically like saying, I'd rather have Miguel Cabrera than Vladdy Jr. Like, okay, sure, he's got more home runs, whatever. Me sitting over here saying, you know what? I know more more than you, boy, because I've been on this earth longer. Right, exactly. Which is is garbage. It it should not work that way. Here's the other thing. This season, Kyler Murray's only lost one game that he started. Mm -hmm. It was against the Packers. Stafford also lost to the Packers, by the way. He also lost to the Cardinals. He also lost to the Niners and the Titans. Two pretty good teams. The Niners are kind of in the middle, but the Titans are a good team. Kyler beat both of them. Kyler beat both of them. All the teams that have managed to uh, top Matthew Stafford, Kyler has beaten, except for the Packers. You had the stats on this, too. When you look at that Rams team, some some of the teams that, that they've beat are very average. Yeah, and I had that and you look at somewhere. you look at the teams. I mean, they're one and three in their last four. The Rams' record is deceiving. Six of their wins are the Jaguars, the Texans, the Giants, the Lions, the Seahawks, and the Bears. Yeah, there's no good team there. Those are all bad teams. And those are their, those are six of their how many wins do they have eight. Mm-hmm. That's six of their eight wins. Not taken away from the other two, but and again, those are bad teams. One and three in their last four. So they're not exactly lighting it up when it no when it's it's crunch time now. The Rams are realistically two and four against good teams. The Cardinals are five and one against good teams. So I mean, I understand hey, but Matt Stafford. He's has, got more passing yards, ninety five more touchdowns. I'm sure it's more than that. I well, I'm sure over the course of his career. <laughs> yeah, I but don't again, have it in front of me. But it, Kyler's been in the league three years. We're really basing this argument over who has more passing yards? If you want to say he's been in more huddles, fine. You want to say he's played in more playoff games, fine. I can't argue that. You want to say he's got more respect in the huddle, great. Okay, sure. None of that was what he based his argument off of. The argument was based off of he's got more passing yards in his career. 
because Kyler was like 10 years old when Matt Stafford first took a snap for the Detroit Lions. Was he really that old? He was in uh, seventh grade. What what age is that? 13, maybe? Yeah, pretty much. Kyler was probably already starting at Allen High School in seventh grade, I'll bet you. No, I know he wasn't. I was there. Um, But uh, it's just not a good argument. I just don't like the argument. Plus, by the way, I heard this earlier this week. Uh, tight end Zach Ertz, he would know a thing or two about um, the guys who throw the passes. He moved to the Cardinals midseason after Max Williams went down with an injury. He was on with Colin Cowherd this weekend or this week talking about Kyler Murray, and I thought this was very telling. I think that is what people on the outside view Kyler. And if I'm being honest, that's how I viewed him before I came here, that he was a guy that made a lot of plays off script, that didn't play a lot from the pocket. And in my experience... He uses his feet as a luxury. He's not going out there each and every play, be like, hey, I'm going to scramble. He wants to play football from the pocket, and I've been so impressed with him as a passer, being able to stand in the pocket and make plays um, as a true quarterback that I was not expecting when I got traded out here, if I'm being honest. And he is a great quarterback. He's probably the most talented player I've ever been around. There's nothing on the football field he can't do, and he's a really good leader. There's two misconceptions about the Cardinals nationally i think one of them is that this team runs the air raid offense and don't know how to run the football which is bs because their running back leads the league in touchdowns by the way um but also the other perception is what zach Ertz talks about that kyler murray is just a legs first you know likes to scramble kind of quarterback and you could probably make that argument about a couple of guys i think of lamar jackson is probably one of the more mobile quarterbacks but these guys are learning they're learning how to do it with their arms they want to do it from the pocket Kyler Murray, I, I mentioned the statistic earlier, he's leading the league in completion percentage. You don't do that if you're not good at throwing the football. He's leading the league in quarterback rating. Right now, he is statistically, like per game, non-cumulative, I can't say that word, non-cumulative statistics show, he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Now, I don't think Kyler wants to run first, but what I would say about Kyler is when he does scramble, A, it, it's amazing the way he turns on the speed. And B, he, he does it in such a smart fashion because he doesn't take the hard hit. He doesn't. That was something, so for context, I've been watching Kyler since high school. He and I went to the same high school. Not at the same time, but I watched most of his high school games. And I was just baffled by this kid. And then he goes to A&M. He played against ASU, which I was attending at the time. Watched that game. Still baffled that he wasn't the starting quarterback in that game. And then he goes on to win the Heisman, gets picked by the Cardinals, and that's the number one thing that you hit on that everyone talked about is he's too small, he's going to get banged up, he's going to get hit while he's running around. And I said it all along, I I know it's hard to believe, but he doesn't take hits. He's very good at avoiding the hits, and part of it was his baseball background. He's very good at sliding. He knows when to get out of bounds. He knows when uh, when to duck, basically. He'll duck out of sacks all the time. He doesn't take those hits. And I think that's another part of the misconception about Kyler Murray is that he's not built to be an NFL quarterback for a long time. The stats say he's already one of the best. And I think it's about time we started showing him the respect that he deserves nationally. So there. Coming up next. I'm intrigued with this idea. It's an idea for how to prevent tanking in not just baseball, but in any sport. And I think it could work. But would it have some ramifications to it? That's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports goes local. It's Arizona Sports Saturday, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, we've got some breaking news out of Cardinals practice. Yes, there is a Cardinals practice today. 
because they will be playing on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams here in Glendale. Um, Steve Zinsmeister, Joe Heisenga holding it down on Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks for spending some time with us this weekend. Breaking news, Joseph. Cliff Kingsbury says he will not shave his facial hair as long as they are winning games. This from Darren Urban at uh, azcardinals.com. Wow. Quote, if we're winning, the beard is not being shaved. As long as that streak keeps going, you see me with a little more facial hair. Whatever it takes to win, I have no pride when it comes to that. Well done. I don't know why that's uh, such a big deal to Cliff, but okay. Bringing up the Cardinals' schedule here. I want the Cardinals' see, schedule? I want to see when the beard could go away. Well, we know they got the Rams on Monday. Uh-huh. That, it, I, I'm not going to chalk that up as a win or loss. I, I, I don't know. I'm going win. Okay. Okay, let's say win there. They got a tough one against Detroit in Detroit <laughs> on the 19th. I'm going to go with a win there. I'm going to go with a win there. And that beard's going to get a little gnarly here. Let me guess. Colts? It's going to get itchy. Yep. Colts, Colts are on Christmas, right? Col- Colts at home. Christmas night. Going with the dub. That's a tough one. Okay, you're going dub? Yep. And at, then Cowboys? At Cowboys. Ooh, that's a tough the one, too. The beard might go there. Yeah. I don't think the Cardinals are going to win out. They could. So around New Year's. And then it wraps up with uh, with Seahawks at home on the 9th. So you're thinking Cliff has about three weeks before he needs to shave? A month. About a month? Yeah. Rams, Lions, Colts, at Cowboys. Okay. There you go. Breaking news. Cliff Kingsbury's not going to shave for a while. It, it appears that way, at least. Here's an idea that I was reading about yesterday. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the last i don't know it feels like a decade now that we have to eliminate tanking from sports this isn't just about baseball but this idea comes from baseball writer jason stark he's one of the smarter people in the sport i think he's one of the smarter people in all of sports and he writes this article that i was reading yesterday that basically proposes the idea of changing the draft system in baseball so that the top picks in the draft don't go to the worst teams Instead, they go to the teams that barely missed out on the playoffs. So in baseball, let's just talk baseball for a second. Okay. Instead of the Orioles getting the number one pick and the Diamondbacks getting the number two pick, because mm-hmm. they both sucked this year. Yes, they did. Instead of that, you get the Toronto Blue Jays with the top pick, mm-hmm. who are already a really good team. I thought they were really good. What picks do the Orioles and the D-backs get? They drop significantly. because How, how far? Uh, I think it's roughly 15 to 20 picks. I mean, they're going to drop a lot. I don't like this plan. Okay, so here's part of the reason that he suggests that it could work. Okay. It's not flawless. He admits this. Yeah. And it's not that everybody loves this idea, but here's here's why he thinks it could work. Because it would encourage teams to compete during the regular season, which you know is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Because if you're losing intentionally... Like a lot of teams do. Like the Cubs traded away, what, seven players at the deadline this year? The Nationals traded away all their good players. Mm-hmm. Those teams were actively trying to lose games. Oh, and there's. You wouldn't do that if you had to win games to get better picks. You mentioned other sports, too. The, the 76ers certainly have tanked over the years. But me, yes. I, I grew up in Detroit. I am a Michigan fan through and through. Okay. Uh, what did I mention to you about the Pistons? During the break a few minutes ago. You said it's it's amazing that they got the number one pick and they're actually worse. They are worse and they are the worst <laughs> team in the NBA. Yeah. The Lions, the worst team in the well, NFL. We see that a lot in, in multiple trying. sports. The Astros picked number one three years in a row. The Nationals picked Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg back to back. So here's my problem with 
Jason Stark's idea. And like you said, he's a very smart guy. How do the terrible teams ever get better? Instead, you're going to have the teams who barely missed be right there. I'm sure the Toronto Blue Jays would love that, and that will make them better. But if you're a terrible team just trying to compete and you just don't have the talent... How do you ever get the talent? Then the only way is to, to spend, spend more money. Agency? That's see, that's the biggest issue I have with this because I think we're going through this with the Diamondbacks right now, where a lot of fans are frustrated because Ken Kendrick's not willing to up the budget. But but see, even still, there's a flaw in that. If you're a great player, and and you know that you know, hey, you want all this money, are you going to go to the Diamondbacks? Let's say they can pay you three million dollars a year more, or are you going to go to? You know, I'll just Atlanta or Houston. Uh, another, if money's not a huge object, oh, you pick the team you can compete with. Even if money is a, a big object, if you're that wealthy and you're that dominant of a player, wouldn't you rather be on the better team? Or are you going to go to the team that's terrible? I would agree with you on that if I were the player, but we see examples of it all the time where the opposite is true. Zach Greinke came to the Diamondbacks. They weren't exactly a good team when Zach Greinke came over. They were okay. This was just after they had traded for J.D. Martinez and made the playoffs and then immediately got eliminated. So it's it's not like they were some contending team. They Zach Greinke right, signed for over though. $200 million. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I know baseball's a little different, too. I mean, the money being thrown around before the work stoppage was, was insane as it is every year. Madison Bumgarner. $85 million. That's a good chunk of change for a player over 30. Uh, just right around 30, I think. Again, that's a lot of money to be thrown around from a bad team. Good players sign with bad teams all the time. So his argument then is this forces the teams that perennially don't spend money to spend? I think that could be one ramification of it, but I, on the other hand, think that those owners are probably not going to look at it favorably. They're not going to look no. at this and say, like, all right, I'm going to up my budget. What's the Pittsburgh Pirates budget? Like $60 million, roughly? They're, They're not going to up it to 120 They're not going to double their budget just because they can no longer get good draft picks. I don't have the teams in front of me, but I know that there are some teams in baseball this year who have lower budgets than individual players yes. in the game. Yes, as of right now. That does not inspire the Pirates to go out and spend on four or five players. I think I read the other day Max Scherzer is slated to make more money next season than the Indians. Like 43 Sorry, not the Indians, million. the Guardians. Uh, the Guardians and like the Pirates and the Rays or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of that. But then on the other hand, there's plenty of good teams who operate on low budgets. The Tampa Bay Rays. Oakland Athletics. I'm just talking baseball for a second. Because in basketball and football, there's revenue sharing, there's uh, there's floors, there's ceilings, there's all that stuff. Salary caps. Baseball doesn't have that. So while I think, yeah, it probably could work and teams would try to contend more, maybe they're not shipping out seven players at the trade deadline like the Cubs did this past season. But at the same time, you're right. It's going to be really hard to get those really bad teams that are like perennially at the top of the draft. It's impossible for the Pittsburgh Pirates to get any better with this if this were the case. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for, I mean, maybe the Baltimore Orioles. It's impossible for them to get better over the years. But teams tank. I mean, the Suns tanked. They had DeAndre Ayton. They got uh, Josh Jackson at number four. They got Dragon Bender at number four. Macau Bridges at 10 even. They didn't tank from the jump, though, too. They tank not always part part of the way through the season. Now the Pistons this year again they're just awful. Yeah, got the number one pick, just plain bad. So what do you say to them 
What do you say to those teams that just plain stink? Well, we'll make an exception for you or, oh, sorry, you're going to draft 15th. Good luck. Hope you get lucky in the draft. Yeah. Well, and Stark even does a really good analysis in this piece of the value of, in baseball, of the number one pick versus the number 15 pick. And it's night and day. Hmm. I mean, at number one, you could get a player that changes the course of your entire franchise, like a Bryce Harper. But at 15, you're not getting that guy. Not unless you get lucky. It happens very rarely. The Mike Trouts of the world, basically. And so, I mean, like, as he points out, you know, this would tell teams, hey, you got to try. None of this losing crap. You can't just intentionally lose. And to your point, teams don't always tank from the beginning. They do it midway through the year. Look at the Cubs. They thought they had a chance in their division. They didn't. Then they shipped out seven players. The Twins were supposed to be... Same thing. The winners in the Central. Same thing. And... That's not to say that teams can't trade away good players at the deadline. It's going to happen every year regardless. But we're talking about fire sales, like teams that bail on their entire organization. Maybe it prevents that, but I think it does create a huge issue of of competency for the really bad teams. So if you have to decide, for it or against it? I'm I'm against it. Ultimately, against it. But I do think it would work on some level. But it would on make some it some level. Yes, it, great. It will make the Blue Jays a better team. It will sure. stop teams from tanking, but on the other end of it, it will create a gap that's completely impossible for teams to dig themselves out of. Good luck with that, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Never going to happen. Very interesting idea, though. I like that he at least did the research and like talked to people about it. That's what matters. Coming up next, we're going to go around the NFL, take a look at all the storylines going on for each of the NFL games this weekend. That's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday.